Snow falls on an old apartment. Inside, the holiday season is in swing. On the first floor, cokes are poured and stories shared among friends. Three flights up, one generation passes down the family recipe to the next. Inside every home, there's magic. Coca-Cola. Real magic. Enjoy the real magic of the season with close friends, family, and refreshing Coca-Cola paired with all your holiday meals. Good morning and welcome to the Cosmology and Science Podcast. Hope you're having a great morning and a good coffee. And today we're going to talk about a book we've been reading now for a few days. Uh, it's a book about astrophysics by Chris Brown. It's available on Amazon. And we just want to talk about some of the first impressions from reading it. It's a very interesting book. It's It goes into this um, investigation of sorts into the foundations of cosmology and also the basis for the expanding universe model and um, just the nature of the whole Big Bang theory and also uh, other ways to maybe look at this and and to have a bit more nuanced view of of these foundations, which are really just the redshifts of the distant galaxies, which is a thin basis. So, and this has been a debate for close to a hundred years now, like for 80, 90 years at least. And it has become the, the dominant model, uh, in part because there are no other good, so far it seems, competing models. But there are uh, aspects of it that are a bit problematic. Uh, so just some first impressions of this. So the basis of the expanding universe is that the most distant galaxies have a very high redshift in the in the light spectrum, like this this kind of uh, uh, this prism colorful spectrum that has some black bars in it because of the the materials the the molecules the atoms that are blocking some of the light and when these black bars are moved it usually means that like a star is moving. But there could be other reasons for this. And then as we pointed to earlier, uh, Einstein is talking in his book called Relativity from 1916 about how we also have gravitational redshift. And there might also be other reasons why the light spectrum is shifted when it goes through space. We don't know really enough about this to conclude the reason for this. So, um, one of the things that are that stands out from the book is this this question that how how can we jump to the conclusion that if you have something that is 10 billion light years away and the redshift is larger how can we conclude that that is because it is moving f uh, away from us so the gravitational redshift is apparently too small to explain the whole redshift but it also depends on, and this is the thesis of the book, how you view gravity. If you only view gravity as uh, the kind of this, uh, the effect, like the, the mass of the star has on the light that is emitted, then you will have one way of calculating the redshift. But if you look at a bigger, 
like the whole galaxy or a cluster of galaxy, for example, which again is the thesis of the book, maybe that as well has an effect on the total gravity impact on the light. And you also have basic questions. Like if you look way into the night sky, 10 billion or this found some things that are, seems to be 46 billion light years away it's hard to conclude exactly what we are seeing because the light is then so old it's so far away and there could be all sorts of distortions of the light and the light frequencies and the redshift on that journey so if we just have that as a starting point there might be lots of discoveries to understand better and it's also it at least one thing to be aware of i think is that it's not a very big solid settled foundation for this theory so uh, and the conclusion in the book to just stay on on the astrophysics book by chris brown is that there is gravitational effects on the light all the way through the cosmos that will uh, ex can explain the redshift and thus meaning that uh, the universe is not expanding. And then the whole Big Bang theory falls apart. So there's also one kind of one question mark that could appear in your in your mind when you read about this is that so when Hubble discovered this, so he saw that the redshift, the far, far further away into the cosmos you go, the bigger the redshift is. So if you have objects at the same distance from you and they have different redshifts, you can say some are moving faster than the others. But if you have one object that is so far away and it seems like every time an object is further away from you, the redshift is growing, there might be something about the distance that makes the redshift grow so that you cannot necessarily interpret a galaxy 13 billion light years away in the same way you interpret one that is, let's say, Andromeda, which is two and a half million light years away. So that is just a way of looking at the foundations for this. And the overall purpose of that is to ponder cosmology and just trying to understand the universe. And maybe we, we know a lot less than we think we know. And this is also, in some ways, been a little bit under pressure the last 10 years with the Hubble telescope and also the Planck uh, measurement satellite that we are having more and more observations that are uh, harder to fit into the current models, which is also an opening to a, like a flourishing wealth of new discoveries, which is the overall purpose <laughs> of, of uh, these, these inquiries for us. So, uh, just had some other notes there I want to talk about. And um, it's also interesting when you go into this topic because you, you have to think about space, you have to think about time, the nature of time. Uh, it all, that also goes into other more philosophical or um, like writers like Marcel Proust who writes 3,000 pages about time and the experience of time and the nature of time. Uh, so you could draw from very other kinds of areas into this into this topic to try to just explore and have a bit of flexible view and changing perspectives on this 
Uh, there's also uh, in the book there's a point about teleology, which is also very interesting because this was uh, we've been doing a big project about Dante's comedy for almost well one and a half years. That was written in the 1300s. At that time, science was a part of theology, so, and there was no contradiction. And they put science into a framework that had a purpose. And then there is something about just at least thinking that if there is a purpose, then you could maybe discover more about the science as well of the universe. Um, if you think of just to have thought experiments, and we, we touched on this before, but if you think of, uh, if you, if we start with the hypothesis that the Big Bang is true, that it starts with this kind of a seed that grows, then you can think, well, to create this seed, what would be needed to create a cosmos? You need some physical laws, you need some way of generating mass, you need some... Um, <laughs> you, you need some a, a sort of a math, maybe like a physics, maybe some moral structures, some kind of cause and effect things. All of this has to be put into the, the fabric of a cosmos. So that you can ponder that for a long time. But, but then if you like just for fun, you add this thing like, well, let's imagine what the purpose is. Then it would then you can get more new thoughts about what is needed or what is the nature or the fabric of the cosmos. So in that sense, the, the concept of teleology, which is usually a philosophical concept. So Aristotle was very fond of this, but uh, telos means goal. So it just means like the goal of things. So you investigate a topic, but you also then think of what is the purpose. So if you talk about teleology of science or teleology of cosmology, you would have some idea of like what what is the universe of the cosmos growing into or what, what is kind of the aim of it? And then if you think, well, it should be conscious life on a little planet <laughs> in the Milky Way, then that's one way of thinking and it could be very fruitful. So there are many ways of doing this as a creative process to try to explore all of these topics. So uh, another big point in the book and in science and cosmology, maybe the most foundational one is gravity. So gravity seems to be, many scientists, cosmologists, astrophysicists tend to think of gravity as the main force which is shaping or even that which sets things into motion in a sense. So gravity is the thing that starts making movement and maybe even starts and makes time in itself. So there's a the main part of the book is about gravity, different models, and and it ties in the hypothesis. It ties into that you have gravity everywhere. You also have it like in between the, the galaxies, and it, it's kind of infused all uh, the effects of gravity is infused everywhere around the cosmos. So that's why if you have again this light that comes from from uh, tens of billions of light years away, it will be constantly influenced by so, some sort of gravitational forces. So that's uh, something we will look further into. Uh, also seen other famous <laughs> scientists and cosmologists who, who are basing much of their work that it is the ground force for the cosmos is 
the gravity. And then you can also start pondering if you're in the mood of just um, going on a bit of an adventure in your mind and trying to, to understand and, and think of new ideas. There's something about so what is really gravity, even what is a force that pulls two masses towards each other, or if it is a force, or if it's kind of then just shaping the the, the space that makes it uh, just glide towards each other. There's also something about space, like understanding what space is. So one one documentary and this one person said, like this thing that is between the Earth and the Moon. Like, what is it really? Like empty space, but what what is that? Is it a substance? Is it a nothing? Is it like, what is it really? And that's also something that is hard to define properly. So um, I think that's for a brief overview and first impressions. Those are the main thoughts of this. And um, just looking through the notes here, um, and just to to take one more of the big points in in the book is about boundaries and then something like how we set the boundaries of for example the gravitational fields or, or like that uh, the claim in the book is that boundaries are artificial so you can't just look at a solar system and look at the gravity of the solar system isolated because it will be affected by its environment and other things around it and also just the space around it will also have effects on it. So, so there's a there's a need of a different way of thinking and maybe also a different way of doing the math to make these equations work. So, um, I think we're going to stop it there. Uh, there are more details in this, but we'll get back to that. Uh, just say one thing maybe about cosmological. This is a bit of a side topic, but it's also a part of it. So the cosmological constant and also the gravitational constant is, for the thinking part here, something that uh, might be more of uh, an expression of some kind of relationship between two or more things that we don't yet understand. There is something that doesn't kind of quite uh, feel right about the cosmos having this set constants with a specific numerical value because most things seems to be more like the um, proportional effects on each other. So that's, um, that's another thing. And the cosmological constant is one of the most um, problematic parts of Einstein's uh, work as well as he's called itself uh, himself he called it uh, his biggest blunder uh, but it's still a bit of a uh, unclarified uh, uh, part of cosmology what it means and what it really is how to calculate it and if there are other ways of expressing what that constant is trying to express okay so we're gonna stop it there it's almost uh, 15 minutes um Hope some of this was interesting, some food for thought. We might have a little podcast or a conversation with uh, the author of the book, Chris Brown, as well. So um, for now, just uh, hope you're still having a great morning, good coffee. Thank you so much for listening and see you again next time. Understanding your immune system and the complex work happening inside you every day will forever change the way you think about your body. 
This is the epic story of Immune, a journey into the mysterious system that keeps you alive. A new book by Philip Detmer, founder of the popular YouTube channel Kurzgesagt. Filled with illustrations and information you didn't get in science class, Immune is available wherever books and audiobooks are sold.